Welcome to Millennials and Money Cafe, where we create events to empower, inspire, and motivate millennials to love, live, and matter. I'm your host, Marilyn O'Malley, and my mission is to stop the needless struggle and suffering in the life of rising, sensitive, and creative millennial leaders, and to guide them to live their turned-on life, honoring themselves while they impact change in the world. Together, we can create and live a happy, healthy, and wealthy lifestyles that foster the healing of mankind. I want you to know you and your actions matter. And today with me, I have an awesome, really fun, high-energy, motivating guest, Hope Brookins. Welcome, Hope. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm going to share Hope uh, with our audience um, a little bio. Uh, So Hope Brookins is a female millennial entrepreneur and a thought leader in event-based social media. By the time she was 19, Hope had planned events for a former president of the United States, 14 United States congressmen, and countless politicians across the country. Now, at only 25 years old, Hope owns her own company that provides social media an event consulting for corporations and creative entrepreneurs who want to maximize their online presence with social media. So welcome again, Hope. Awesome. I am so excited to be talking with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking, um, I, I uh, was reading about your life and, and sounds very interesting. And I think our audience would love to hear about it and I'd love to for you to share how your past has influenced the way that you do business today. Absolutely. I think that there's always that one moment in time that's kind of the defining moment. There there are a million parts of your past that that make up your present and lead you to your present, but there's usually one big event. And for me in my life, that event was when my mother and my three younger siblings and I left a really traumatic domestic violence-fueled situation. And when we left the situation, we needed to have a house to live in. And financially, the only way we could have a house big enough for five people was to build one Mm -hmm. ourselves. Now, when most people think of building a house, they don't think of, you know, they think of a contractor picking out things, maybe overseeing it a little bit, but we actually built it. We laid the 1500 concrete block and we mixed the mortar to lay the block. We mixed that with pond, with pond water that we carried in five gallon buckets from the neighbor's pond. We plumbed the house. We did everything ourselves. Yeah. Everything ourselves about the electricity. The city would not let us do our own electricity. So, you know, framing walls, wood flooring, painting, installing showers, just just crazy stuff. And that was a, a huge, profound thing to me. It was it sounds empowering now, and I, I try to look at it in a more empowering way now. But at the time, it was a, it seemed like a pretty hopeless situation. You know, it was a v- really traumatic with all of the um mm-hmm. just the, the family stuff. Mm-hmm. and that really led me to seek out something that provided some hope, that provided some inspiration, and that something that would 
give me hope for change and make, give me the way to be part of something bigger. And for me, that thing was politics. Now, most people don't see politics in, you know, in a yeah. super positive way all the time. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I do now. But at the time, when you're around all of these politicians and just people involved in politics, there's so much hope. It's so inspirational. You're surrounded by people who really are just campaigning and talking about all the good things they're going to do and who usually genuinely do want to impact the world and improve the world in a better way. So I got super involved in politics. And as as you told everyone, I worked on quite a few political campaigns and political events. And that that was a huge, you know, I never would have been led to politics without my past. My past being so dark really made me seek out something that that provided that light in my life. After a few years of working in politics, I decided that it really had served its purpose in my life, and I was ready to move on to something else. And from politics, I I realized my passion for event planning, for throwing live events, and for PR. I realized how much I loved personal branding. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I loved branding politicians and throwing their political events. So that's really, Mm. really how my past landed me where I am now. Well, and um, so I'm curious, you know, first of all, uh, you're, you're at a young age doing this, right? You're, Mm -hmm. and you're, um, um, you're creating this, this, you're doing all these projects. I love that number one, you're you're seeking out something bigger than your problems. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you 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 have to be self-motivated. Absolutely. Maybe a little bit too self-motivated. <laughs> I I for some reason just have this thought in my mind that I have five million more hours than everyone else in the day. Mm-hmm. So I always have a impossibly long to-do list mm. that that could never actually be accomplished by one person but yeah I think my mother I mean if you're you know at 17 years old if you're you build a house with your mother and your mother with and family with no construction experience it is crazy enough to take on something that big most other things in life seem pretty small <laughs> whether it's building a business working for politicians, you know, most things seem so small compared to something that big. Yeah. And, and when you're going through trauma at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you're going through trauma, a huge thing that you, at least that I want to do is kind of ignore it, ignore, you know, distract myself that I can focus on positive things so that I can move on from it. And to me, those other things are a super long to-do list. Having a long to-do list is something that I just developed in high school to distract myself from things that were going on in life, and it turned out to be a really good habit. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I would say, you know, 
what I've seen a lot is that people distract themselves in destructive ways a lot of times with drug and alcohol or sex or shopping or watching TV. And um, in some ways, your family didn't have the luxury to do that because you're having to build a house to live in. So you guys are figuring out, you know, number one, how to survive, how, how to thrive, working together as a team and your problem solving, uh, you know, as you go along. So that had to be, you know, when, what, what did it feel like when that house was done, completed? Well, it was, it actually kind of had a traumatic completion too, because the day we moved into the house, my grandmother died. So it it was a really, you know, we finally finished this impossibly, impossible project. Then we moved in and then my grandmother died, my mom's mother. So it was like an, another huge tragedy right after, before we even had a chance to get over the first one. Mm-hmm. It's That was about se- seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really just been now that my family has been able to really turn this situation around and realize how empowering it was. Mm-hmm. It really started when my mom wrote her memoir, it's Rise, How a House Built a Family. Mm-hmm. It's coming out next fall of 2016. And until that point, until we really framed it in an empowering way, and we started telling people about it, and people were so impressed with it, it was really until, wasn't until then that we realized what a big thing it was. Mm -hmm. While we were building the house, it was something we hid. It was something we were embarrassed of, because it was Mm -hmm. essentially like, we're we got in we were in this horrible situation we're too poor to buy a house like normal people so our option is to build one so it, it's just recently that you know that we've really been able to be like whoa mm-hmm. this this was an incredible experience and doing even though we didn't realize what an impact that building a house had on our mental state mm-hmm. we all did big big things i went on to work for people who most people can never imagine working for. My brother ended up moving all over the country. My sister's launching a clothing boutique. All of my siblings and even my mother too kind of continued to have impossible dreams because after doing that, we saw that everything that seemed impossible was actually possible. Right, right. Yes. You guys built, you know, in building that house, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't, that are, don't have money and they go live mm-hmm. on the street. You guys decided we're going to build something out yeah, of this. Yeah, and it's a 3500 square foot house. Yeah, unbelievable. So it's a two-story house, <laughs> five bedrooms, two and a half bathrooms. It was smaller, but like all projects that me and my family take on, uh-huh. they start out small and within minutes they're mansions. You know, uh-huh. I think that's a good uh-huh. metaphor. Yeah. You know, I, I start out wanting to work with a few clients in a specific industry and business. And then next thing you know, I'm, where's Oprah? Where's Ellen? I'm uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh, but that's, we can't think small anymore. Yeah. That's, that's been the biggest side effect. Yeah. And, and you, you, yeah, there's no, everything's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, gosh, everybody hear that. Hear that what uh, you you are so inspiring and motivating here is that, you know, you took something that could be devastating and you guys all turned it into um, 
a, a period of growth and um, transformation and and look at you today. So I'm, I'm wondering to take it, it a little bit further here. Uh, so, so how, um, let me see here, I'm getting, number one, so how did you turn your ideas, you know, your dreams, your, I know, I know that you started by doing intern work. How did you, how did you grow from an intern and say, I'm creating a business? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, right after college, I went and worked in the event industry for a while. And in Arkansas, jobs in the event industry are really, really limited. So I actually was working in sporting events and I hate sports. Like, I really, <laughs> really hate sports. And even more specifically, I was working in the running industry. Um, if I'm running, it's because someone's chasing me. <laughs> like, it, it was a horrible, horrible fit for a job other than the mm. fact that it was in the event industry and I was stubborn and I was going to work in the event industry. Mm. So after a year and a half of um, working there after college, I knew that I could do more and I knew that... I needed to be in an industry that I loved and that I was passionate about. And since I don't really have boundaries or limits on what I think I can do, mm-hmm. I, I decided to quit my job, which was a full-time position with benefits, and start my own business. I started helping entrepreneurs leverage their online presence. I helped people with everything from their website to their social media, and this this really re- led me to focus on a lot of personal branding too for myself and for others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, before, uh, so I just want to nope. I keep I keep getting messages. <laughs> keep on this, okay? I'm sorry. So, if you would then talk about so who did you? What was the difference between working for somebody else? And then taking that step and now working for yourself. Well, first of all, it was not at all like I imagined it. And I'm someone who always thinks I know, well, everything. (laughs) (laughs) I I read every article and blog post I could find about about what it was like to work for yourself. And no matter what you read, nothing can fully prepare you for working for yourself. Um, I'm a really disciplined person, so working multiple hours and forcing myself to work wasn't the problem like it would be for some people. The biggest problem that I had initially and that I still struggle with but not as much is that when you're working for yourself and from home, the boundaries are really skewed. I thought I would have all this luxury time to like do dishes and laundry and actually clean my house. And instead, I had less time because I would spend 18, 19 hours a day working Mm -hmm. when when the amount of money you make and the success that your business has is completely dependent on you. You think of it in a different way. And when you essentially live in your office, you you also see see work versus life in a different way. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would feel guilty for taking a break to do the dishes or laundry, mm-hmm. but I actually do. So that's that still continues to be the biggest challenge for me. 
And really the only way that I found to kind of fight that is to leave my house. Mm-hmm. I, and I have to do things that make me leave my house. I'll pay for like a calligraphy class or I, I pay for junior league ahead of time, paying for things that have a specific time and date for me to attend to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's something that I've, I've learned right away that I have to do to not work mm. all day long and skip sleep. Right. I have to schedule fun. Yes, you do. And th- and that's really important for abundance also. So just energetically, if you're working all the time, you got to have a good, good um, life business balance. And when you, yes. ha- when you have that, your money will take off. And I always feel so guilty, right, when I'm getting ready to go do something. Mm-hmm. And even the first few minutes or the half of the time I'm somewhere, I feel super guilty for not working. But whenever I'm able to just let go and have fun and relax, I always come back home to my office and I realize I'm so much more productive. And every single time I tell myself, oh my goodness, you're so much more productive after a break. But somehow I, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> it's, it's just that cycle that I know is yeah. is going to be a constant struggle forever working for myself yeah. and something that I have to pay attention to. Right. And you'll and you'll learn that. And I also get because you're, uh, you know, it sounds very much like you're a doer. So it's <laughs> like you are you know, like you built, you guys built a house, you built a house and you created things and I, you know, reading your, your, uh, your blog, um, um, which is hopebrookens.com, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So, you know, it was talking about since you were a little girl, you were planning little parties and, you know, events and paying a lot of attention to details. And, you know, it's just like, you're, you're, you're very creative. Yeah, I think my mom would tell you that the probably the most phrase, the biggest, the phrase I used the most growing up was, what can I make? Mm -hmm. Because I could not sit still. I had to have a crochet hook in my hand, (laughs) a whisk, a pencil. I had to be doing something that resulted in a physical object. I had to be physically making something Mm -hmm. my entire life from, you know, growing up, it was crocheting. By the time I was in college, it turned into much bigger things like Mm -hmm. furniture and shoemaking. In (laughs) high school for a while, it was fashion, but I had to literally be producing something with my hands. Mm. So now what I produce is all online. Yes. But I still try to take those breaks for quilting and lots of cooking too. Good, good, good. Um, but yeah, so so I get, you know, and I, I understand too, because I'm, I love to be creative. And so when you're and particularly when you're doing your passion and doing what you love, and you're excited about it, you can do it forever. It doesn't feel like right. Work, but you got you got to remember, you have another another part of your life. So that's great. Thank you for for sharing that. And um, um, so let's go to the PR right now. Um, so what would you say to the millennials out there who are um, starting a, a, their own business, um, starting up to be a, a, a you know, let's uh, being an entrepreneur? What what about PR? What about their messaging? Um, what's important mm-hmm. for them? How should they? Uh, what what are maybe like three key things that you think that are super important for them to know? Yeah, well, with all millennials, I think that everyone has to look at their personal branding 
whether you're an entrepreneur or you're going into another field, your online presence is vital to success in the job market as well as, you know, when you're an entrepreneur. So there are three things you want to have. And when you're developing those three things, you really want to think like a politician. Politicians want to make themselves sound as good as possible. And they don't lie because people are going to fact check them and they'll get, you know, they'll get caught. But they do perhaps sometimes, you know, they're, they're certainly not going to under-exaggerate anything. I think that's safe <laughs> to say. So think like a politician. And all millennials need to have a personal website. If you have a super common name, you know, Sarah Jane Designs, if you're a designer, Sarah Jane Social Worker, if you're a social worker, every millennial needs to have a personal website as because that's where people go to connect with you for your personal brand. Second, every millennial needs to have a great, great social presence. There's so many different social platforms and you don't have to be on all of them. The general rule of thumb is to pick three and be really, really good at them. But I know some people who are rocking just one social platform. And if you can do really good at just one, then do really good at just one. And then lastly, Everyone needs to be producing some sort of video content. If you're a millennial, you probably have an iPhone or some other phone that takes video content. This isn't going to be as good as uh, as good of quality as a video camera, but still with the right editing tools and the right lighting, you can make anything look good. So everyone needs to have that website, that social presence, and some video content where you're talking about your passion, where you're establishing yourself as an expert. Okay, so expert, even if even if they're a uh, not working for themselves, they're just they're right. A- even if you're an employee, let's say you're. A, I have a friend who is going into social work, and social workers, yeah, some of them have their own company or some of them have their own practices, but oftentimes they're working for the government or for another non nonprofit agency. And I have been advising her to start a personal website, start, you know, when you're young and you're in this competitive, all industries now are really competitive. You have to set yourself apart and publishing valuable content that frames you as an expert, even if it's in a super niched area of social work can only help you. So whatever industry you're in, having an online presence, if it's a positive one that you're in control of, is never going to hurt you. Great. And that, yeah. And so then when they're looking for another job or somebody's out looking around to see, um, you know, who who they might want to hire or go after to that's an expert. Yeah. And even if you're looking at staying in the same job, in the same position for your entire life, which isn't really common anymore, but even if you are, there are so many professional opportunities that can come through having a really established online presence, the opportunity to speak at conferences in your industry, you know, all of these things, which will only result in a raise long term, or, you know, better job opportunities can come from having that really established online presence. Yes. If you're, and if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, the benefits are even greater because th- that money, those results go directly into your pocket and not your employers. Right. And and I'll give an example. Like I know that like the Oprah show 
um, when they're looking to have certain guests or whatever, they'll, or there's something comes up and they're looking for an expert, one of the places they do go to is YouTube. Mm-hmm. So go see who's got huge hits on. Or even, um, I also know that that happens on like the networks. So right. if, they need, if they need an expert on something, they'll go see who's on YouTube, who's got the most hits, who's out there making waves and people are listening to them. And one of the biggest things that millennials say is, I'm young, I'm not an expert yet, that there's this huge thought process that yeah. millennials don't have anything valuable to offer. That is so not true. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a millennial. I'm saying that because I have been contacted so many times by people who specifically want a millennial's point of view. Right. Soon, millennials are going to be the majority of the workforce. You know, it's we're growing up faster than we think we are, and people want our viewpoint. People want our perspective, mm-hmm. and not enough millennials are creating a platform for themselves to offer to make it easy for people to find them, so that they can ask our perspective. Oh my gosh, hope that. I am so excited that you said that because, you know, number one, that's why I'm doing Millennials and Money Cafe, because I really think that the millennials are number one, playing themselves down. And I want to show, help, you know, spotlight, look, look what mm-hmm. your, what your, what your peers are doing, incredible stuff, you know, and, um, but also that, you know, start using your voice, you are here, that I really believe the millennials are here to shift um you know, humanity and, you know, create, create this beautiful new world that's, that, that's possible, right? And, um, but yeah, they, they've gotten stuck, a lot of them have gotten stuck. And so I think what you just said, was incredible, and that they need to start using their voice. And, and, and I think that they, the millennials are in a position, because I think a lot of the millennials are sensitives. I think that they can see things that, you know, the the baby boomers can't, that they mm-hmm. can see solutions and solve problems like yourself, um, that you have ways to communicate and things to offer. And, you know, sadly, you guys have grown up, had to grow up really fast. Um, but you're, you're, because of the, uh, because of, growing up in the with all the things that are available to you, there's a lot less, uh, what do I want to say, limits, when you get out of your own way to creating spectacular things. Yeah, absolutely. No generation before has ever had the ability to create their own platform that can instantly be accessed, you know, at, at their fingertips. We as millennials, easily have the tools right in front of us for really little cost, sometimes no cost, to create our platform online mm-hmm. and share our perspective on things. Yes. You know, no other in no other time in history have people been able to graduate from college and instantly establish themselves as an expert unless they were lucky and in the right place at the right time. But now you can choose to put yourself in the right place at the right time. The internet gives you the ability to make your website, make your social profiles, connect with the right people and get 
get your platform out there, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's another thing is that um, I love what millennials do is coming together and creating collaborations or feeding off of each other and, you know, creating something they start off as you know experts in their own thing and yet and that attracts when somebody can see what you have to offer and can say hey I want to work with you we're looking for somebody to you know this is we're we're on the same page or we we have the same purpose that we're we're going after can we work together and nobody will know that you're you what you're thinking or what you're excited about if you don't share it. Absolutely. And I loved working and collaborating on projects with other millennials. My brand stylist right now, I'm undergoing a little bit of a rebrand for my website. My brand stylist is a millennial. Mm -hmm. And until I started working with him, I didn't realize how much more fun it was to work with other millennials. And since then, I've really sought out other millennials when I need any business-based services because it's their perspective is so similar to mine and we're so on the same page about things mm-hmm. that that it makes yeah. life easier. It makes communication easier because there's so much that doesn't have to be said because we're already on the same page about it. Mm-hmm. Because you guys are psychic with each other. Exactly. <laughs> you don't exactly. you don't realize it, but you guys are. There's like yes. you, there's the psychic factor comes in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay. So um so we're we're getting close to our time. Can you go a little bit longer? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I can talk forever. Okay, good. Um, so I'm just thinking like maybe 15 minutes because <laughs> this is just so good. So what I notice, um, so as from the PR place, right? There's a little bit too much being shared on social media in some way. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, can you share like three not to do's um, that would take away from the, you know, if somebody's creating a social presence and creating themselves, you know, as an expert, what are, what are like one, two, three things that you think that, you know, to, for them to start to remember? Because you know, we are becoming that expert. So we're moving from the, you know, just you're, like you're moving. personal to professional. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We're psychic. Yeah. I, I think that when you're moving from personal to professional, which is something that I've done with my social media, when I started out on Twitter, I was connected with about 20 people that were all friends that I knew. And now I have around 130,000 followers. So the types of tweets that I sent have changed a lot (laughs) since then. I think that one thing you want to absolutely avoid in general is negativity. People want to surround themselves by things that give them energy, by things that bring them happiness. Whether they realize it or not, you know, you don't want to be negative. It And it Negativity doesn't make you look professional most of the time either. Um, so then going with that, another thing you don't want to do is complain, specifically when you're calling out specific companies, when when you have an issue or something. While this can certainly help get media attention or get your problem resolved, the damage that it does to your credibility overall 
may not be worth getting that little issue fixed. So when when you're being professional as opposed to personal on social media, that's kind of something you have to sacrifice. And then lastly, you, you still want to be a real person online. You still want to share your relationships, your family, but you have to share it in a different way. Um, you don't maybe want to do super, super detailed Man Crush Monday post that <laughs> describe all the struggles of your relationship. Mm. It's still absolutely fine to do a Man Crush Monday post and shout out to my boyfriend, but maybe say shout out to my boyfriend for helping me accomplish these business goals this weekend or something a lot more general and not super specific and detailed and, oh, we got over so much drama. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, those are great. Good. Because the because it does take a different personality to, uh, you know, to show up as an expert in business and um, then it does... <laughs> Um, you know, it's like going from a hobby to creating a business. And, well, and for me, it's like putting on your political hat. Oh, Would, If you were a politician, and because because I have such a background in that, I naturally kind of just think of myself that way. I will not be running for office. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you could find me Yet. ever to run for office. <laughs> but um, it, it, I really approach life, you know, with those political gloves on. You, you can still be a little controversial. You can still do things that not everyone will agree with. But there's some things that just aren't worth the damage they will do. Mm-hmm. Well, and like politicians, let's take Bill Clinton for, uh, you know, he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, learning, you, number one, when you're in your own energy, when you're, when you're true and authentic to yourself, you're very uh, magnetic. Mag, uh, what do I say? Your magnetism goes up and you're very attractive to other people. What are, what are they doing? What's the, you know, it just feels uh, very much like it's something that you want. And when you're also in that place coming from your power, you can, you can find ways to say things that might open people's thinking instead of complaining it might you might offer a resolution exactly that's exactly what a politician you know a politician some of them might complain a little bit but oftentimes politicians will find the more successful thing to do is say yeah there's a little bitty problem here's a solution here's what we can do here's and here's an answer that that's that's the best way to frame things. I think a lot of a lot of it is framing. A lot of it yeah. is that PR. What? How can I make this sound better? Right, right. And and you're good at doing that. Okay. So the last thing um, that I wanted to talk about that that I love that you said that um, all millennials should start their own business, um, yes. even if it's just a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? First of all, jobs are not stable. There's no such thing as a stable job. Any job, even if it's in a really, really flourishing industry, can end at any time. Um, so there's there's no reason, or you can decide that you don't want it. So having your having the ability to start your own business or having a side hustle that you can make into a full-time business if you need is great. And even if you do plan on working a normal nine to five or whatever your hours are for the rest of your life, you'll probably find that financially 
Things just aren't like they were for our parents. To get the same things that our parents did in life, a house, a running car, (laughs) electricity, cell phones, I guess our parents didn't have those, but you know what I mean. We have to work a lot harder. Things are more expensive. So you probably need two jobs or one really good business that you're running by yourself. The the job market as a whole, too, is moving a lot more towards freelancers and contractors. And it's a great option. I think that when a lot of millennials graduate, in fact, the, the statistic I hear is something like 50% of millennials with college degrees are underemployed in jobs that do not require a college degree. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes with millennials, even if they have to have a full-time job where they're underemployed, they can really utilize and start to hone some of those skills that they learned in college with a side business that will eventually help them launch into a career or their own business full-time in the industry that they want to be working in. Right, again, in the industry that they maybe have background and expertise in and just can't find a job in. Yeah, and and show up as that expert, you know. Go, go, go learn something um, that you really love and, um, you know, become the expert in it. In fact, they say, like, read three books on something and you're, you're starting to become an expert. And, then, and they say, I think it's the Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 yeah. hours in yeah. something, and then you really are an expert. You really are, like, yeah. the top 1% of people who know about that topic. Yeah. And, and if you start and master, that now. Yeah. Yeah. Master yeah. it now. And that doesn't have to be what you got a degree in or if you didn't go to college at all. It can be... Be what you're really passionate about. I think it's so sad when I see millennials who got a degree in something and because they have tons of student debt are tied down to pursuing that or think they're tied down to pursuing something that they realize they weren't actually passionate about. My degree is in political science. Mm -hmm. And I realized before I had even graduated that that wasn't the industry I was going to work in. I gained a lot of valuable skills from it, but I would have done such a disservice to myself to continue to work in a field that was no longer what gave me energy. Yeah. So I I think that's a huge lesson too. And when you, when you have your own side business or own business, you get to choose the direction that it goes in. You get to pick whatever industry you want to be in. And there is an online resource for whatever you want to do. If you're not an expert in it yet, or if you want to continue to hone your skills, you can find someone online that will help you do that. Yes. Oftentimes for free. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, fall and follow, you know, following that where you feel the most expansive and turned on in your life and that you are, you know, living, loving and mattering. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that you do, you know, you following your passion and being turned on in life and being happy. That and and doing uh, what you feel called to do is helping other people do the same thing, but just yeah. energetically. Millennials, millennials are so often accused of, as if it's a negative thing, wanting a job. How dare they want a yeah. job that they love and feel passionate yes. about? <laughs> it's so often framed in a negative way when you should want to spend your life doing something that you love and feel passionate about. And, you know, you can't always financially do that immediately, but having a side hustle 
lets you start to do that at least a little bit immediately and, you know, hopefully eventually build into doing it full time if that's what you want. Or it also gives you the opportunity to explore different passions. Right. And that's what, you know, that's what in your 20s you're supposed to be exploring. Exactly. Well, forever, too. I mean, you can always... It, you sh- I hate it when people just do something that they don't love because mm. there, there's no reason to yeah. do something that you don't love. No. And, and that's one of the things that I love about um, the millennials is that they really do want to do things that mean something to them. And, you know, that is different from, from a lot of people that felt responsible just to do things you know, the, the, the old way, the, um, because you had to, Mm -hmm. instead of recreating it, you know, how do we want to create this world? We know that we're responsible for creating our life. So like, let's take, you know, uh, take that responsibility and run with it. Yeah. And because millennials are so often passionate about their careers, you'll find that it's more about the overall lifestyle. They would rather or we would rather work more hours in something that we love and are passionate about than less in something that we only like a little bit. Yeah. It's it's worth that sacrifice to millennials to have the overall happier lifestyle. And I think that says a lot about just our priorities. Yeah. Happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree with you. I think that that's very important and that's a and that's a big part. It isn't necessarily about having all the things. It's about being happy and, and um, again, having a meaningful life. And, and that's going to be different for every one of us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a millennial, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and for, not listening to society. I think that's a huge part of it. Society tells you, you need that normal job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many millennials are starting to say, no, actually, I don't. Right. Look what it's done for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And, and, uh, uh yeah. And, and that's been a struggle. I've seen that. Um, you know, I've actually worked with a couple that have, um, uh, clients that have their parents have been like, I want you to have the nine to five. You're embarrassing us that you're, you know, your waitressing, making more money than a nine to fiver would, um, enabling, uh, you know, them to go and do what they want to do, having an entrepreneurial spirit already have a business started, and they're wanting them to go like be a secretary. And (laughs) well, my dad really, really pushed me towards law school, and to stay involved in politics, Mm -hmm. and was even offering, you know, financial support in that. And, he was really disappointed for a while, I think. But then when I started my own business and I, you know, so he started to see a magazine feature here or there, mm-hmm. I think he really, really realized. And when he saw me and how unhappy I was in my job, mm-hmm. he was immediately supportive and was like, you need to quit today. Yeah. So yeah, I think that when great. parents really see and when you let them in and let them see that you're unhappy Ultimately, they want you to be happy and they will, they will, hopefully, they will encourage you. I've been really lucky to have both of my parents and all of my friends and boyfriends say, quit your job, start doing this. Uh, So that makes, that made it a lot easier for me too. Yeah, that's a big, because some just want to live vicariously through their children or Mm -hmm. want their children to 
fits a mold or whether it's religion or culture or something that that keeps them from you know or fear you know it's the parents fear you know you yeah. you won't you can't make it on your own you have to be in a corporation but what i always tell people especially people who are people pleasers you can never make anyone else happy if you're not happy right well so you, you have to be your first priority there you have to make yourself happy and then you can focus on other people because if you're not happy even if you're doing what they think they want you to do they're not going to be happy either well, and you can't make anybody else happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that's their decision. <laughs> right, right. But, oh my gosh, Hope, like we were talking before, you and I can talk forever. And yes. I think this is a good place <laughs> to wrap up because, and we're going to have you come back on again and we'll do some more. We talked about you maybe coming on and doing some stuff around perfectionism and we've got yes. lots of stuff we that can do. sounds great. So I'm just going to um, summarize a little bit about what you shared here. So uh, one of the first things was that um, number one, just, you know, find something that's bigger than your problems to put your attention on that's positive, that will help you out of that dark spot in your life to, to find some light and to be motivated by that. I think that's very powerful You that you shared and you model that. Um, let's see what else. And then we talked about... Um, you know, uh, oh, I know we, I'm just going to jump a little bit here. So the PR branding. So three things that you said, uh, th number one is, um, or it's, uh, first of all, overall, think like a politician. And um, when you are creating your personal website, your social uh, presence, pick um, three social media uh, areas to work in or else really rock one of them and then also create start to create video content that establishes yourself as an expert and um, then we said three things to avoid um, moving from personal to professional uh, is avoid negativity number two avoid complaining and number three avoid uh, be, a, uh, be a real person. And again, put on your politician hat, how would a politician show up? And, um, and then you shared with us why every millennial should start a, their own business, or even if it's a side hustle, which I love the I love that term side hustle. It's so millennial. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And then, um, you know, live your live your passion and, and go after what what makes you happy. And and um, that will help help you and help everybody around you. And and I, I'd like to say too that, um, you know, shine your light because if, once you learn how to shine your light, then you're going to allow everybody around you to shine their light, and and um, that will help make this place a, a much better place. So. Um, if you feel hungry to listen to more inspiring interviews and transformative podcasts like this one with Hope, uh, you can go to MarilynO'Malley.com or find us on iTunes under Millennials and Money Cafe. And you can also sign up for my newsletter, which covers topics like today's episode, as well as topics on relationships and money and entrepreneurships and living your purpose and perfectionism and narcissistic parents or partners. Um, and you can follow me on 
Facebook, if you like, and Twitter under Coach Marilyn. LinkedIn, I'm a Huffing Post blogger, and Instagram and YouTube under Marilyn O'Malley. So to living, loving, and mattering, thank you for listening with us today. And if you like this, please share it. Thank you very much. Bye.